Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. To write the book of Jonah must have been a tremendous task. He is a preacher, a prophet in Israel. But his life is far from something that is exemplary. But he was willing to put it in writing to show where he went wrong and what he did wrong and what the Lord did in his life as a result. And some of these things I want us to look at. I think we cannot escape as we have seen it in all of the seven churches of Asia Minor and we have seen it time after time and I've made note of the fact the Lord continually comes back to his own people with the one word repent and how important this word is to us that we must be sure that our life is true with the Lord and if it is not we are in a position of repenting to the Lord for that which is wrong in our lives in order that we can get it straightened out and we will see Jonah do this same thing as well none of us can tell what the problems are in our, in, in our own lives you don't know what my needs are for repenting and I probably don't know what your needs are for repenting and you don't know what each other's are but it's a personal relationship that we have with the Lord and it doesn't mean that we come forward and spread our dirty laundry in front of the world and tell all the details of our sin. But it does indicate that there is a need for us to confess before the world but unto the Lord if there is a problem in our lives that needs to be straightened out. Now Jonah says that the word of the Lord came to him. Many times the word of the Lord comes to you and to me. And the Lord told him to do something. The Lord told him as a preacher to go down to the city of Nineveh and preach. There was only one problem. Jonah did not want to go. How many times have you been told by the Lord to do something and you said, I ain't going to do it? Pardon my improper English. I know better. But to make the point. For we in our own minds, in our own hearts, think that we know better than God as to what ought to be done. And so when we have heard his word and know what we ought to do, time after time we say to the Lord, no. I have a little grandson that's at that age when he has learned the word no and seemingly that's the only word he knows and he can use it well. And we become little children before God and we have only learned one word. And that one word is to tell God I'm not going to do what you want me to do. And this was Jonah's attitude. The issue that we have before us in the book of Jonah is whether or not he is going to be faithful, whether he is going to be obedient to the commands of the Lord. This is the issue. And it's the issue that you and I face. 
And when the word of the Lord says something to us that we don't like or do not want to do, then we find some way, some excuse, some method whereby we can seemingly escape. Many times it will be nothing more than turning on the radio to a rock and roll station to you younger kids so that it will drown out what the Lord's trying to talk to you about. Us older kids don't escape it either, so we have our own ways of tuning God out. And that's exactly what we do. We tune God out by tuning something else in. And that which we tune in is of the devil. Because we like what he's saying and we don't like what the Lord's saying. Satan gives us the easy path, the nice, quiet uninhibitive way of living that seems so right and the Lord sometimes tells us things that we don't like to hear this is what Paul was doing when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus and the Lord said to Paul Paul it's hard for you is it not to kick against the pricks those of you who are farm background but for the benefit of your kids there are certain things that you can use that are anti-kickers. And one of the things is, is to stick some things in behind a cow that kicks, that when she kicks, she does nothing more than hurt herself. And this is the type of thing that the Lord was telling Paul, all you're doing, Paul, is hurting yourself by saying no. We hurt ourselves in being disobedient unto the Lord. All right. He said no. And the thing that we soon discover is that he starts going down. If you will notice in the third verse, he went down to Joppa. You will find uh, down in the, also in the third verse, the latter part of it, that he went down into a ship. And you're going to see a little bit later over in uh, uh, a further portion of it, that he not only went down into the ship, he went down into the water, and finally he went down into the very depths of hell, he said himself, into the belly of the great fish. His trip was down. Once a person starts away from God, it's always down, down, down. One little sin leads to two, and two multiplies unto four, until we have lost our way from God, and have turned so easily backward, and have gone downhill continually. And you will discover in your own lives, and you have seen it in others, that whenever a person turns his back upon the church, it's away, down, always down until they reach the depths of despair and when they get to that point and there's nothing more that can be accomplished in their life and they have reached the end of the rope then they will turn around and start looking upward and the Lord will bring them back but that's that's another message now he went down and found a ship the devil will provide you a ship if you want to go away from God He'll give you easy sailing. The ship will have suddenly come into harbor and is anchored there just waiting for you to get on board. If you want to leave the church, you can do it easily and you'll find someplace else that will take your time and take your interest and take your talent and take your money and in the end leave you desolate. But it 
will be there. All you've got to do is turn away from God and the devil will say, hey, I have the ship ready to sail. And Jonah got on board to go to Tarshish. I don't know whether you know where Tarshish is or not, but on a map, it's in Spain. All the way across the 3,000 miles of the Mediterranean Sea, he thought, if I go over there, God can't get to me. Is not that what we think? That there is a way to get out of the presence of God? We can escape his influence. He can't get to us. And so we try to find some place where God is not. This is what he was trying to do. Find some place where God is not. Now many people try to get out of the presence of God by participating in things that will occupy themselves in immorality. There are many, many teenagers in our, in our churches and in our society that have lost their way to God because the Satan has thrown something up that looks so appealing. The physical things of life, worldly living. There's many a man and woman who have lost their way in saying no to God because business has overcome them. They think it's more important to make a living than it is to serve God. I went through a period of that myself. I know what I'm talking about because I discovered it on a first-hand basis. Whenever one puts something in front of themselves and said of God, it is a trip away from God. And God will have to suddenly yank the cords and bring us back. Wherever we try to go from God, we will discover that God is there. And the psalmist said, where can I go from your presence? Even if I make my bed in hell, you're there. There is no escape. So up comes the storm. Here Jonah is down in the depths of the ship. Storm comes along. If you'll go over to the 10th verse, you'll see a word, one word. The word is why. Just the word why. The storm came up. The ship was about to sink. They threw all of the stuff overboard that they could get rid of. And they still knew that the storm was not going to cease and it had to be somebody's fault. And they cast lots as they did in those days. And the lot fell on Jonah. And Jonah confessed that he was the culprit that was causing the storm because he was running away from God. When people run away from God, they cause storms. You've experienced them, have you not? When we're out of the fellowship of God, there's a storm in our life. And they, he confessed that he was the one that was causing it because he had run away from doing what God wanted him to do. And the lost people, the sailors of that ship, the ungodly, the unsaved themselves, turned to Jonah and said, Jonah, why? Why would you do such a thing? This is one of the great tragic questions that burns a hole right through the soul. I have had that question asked to me. I'm sure you have had it asked of you. I have asked the question, and the question is why? Why did you do that? But you know what is the real tragedy? 
Do you find Jonah in the 10th verse making a response to the question why? The thing that strikes me and jumps out to me off this page, and I wrote it in my Bible and underlined it with my highlighter so that I never forget it, it's the word no response. No response. Jonah would not say why. Because he was so guilty that he could not lift his head he looked down his shoes in shame for what he had done to God. The same type of feeling that Peter must have had when he denied the Lord in one night three times. And when that old rooster crowed in the morning, I'm sure Peter was asking himself the same question. Why did I do that? No response. One of the real tragedies today is wife beating. Perhaps it's not new, but we certainly hear a lot about it. I remember one time, one Sunday morning, real early, one of the wives my congregation called me, just gotten out of bed on Sunday morning, and she said, I had to leave home last night with the two children, and I'm staying at a friend's because he was beating me up, and I had to flee for my life and the life of my children. He'd been drinking. She said, would you please go to my home and see what you can do? He said, she said, the place is tore up. I went to the house. The door was unlocked. I could not arouse anybody, so I went in. He had thrown up from one end of that house to the other. He had overturned and smashed. Everything was in sight. And I went into his bedroom, and there he was, sacked out. He thought I was his wife to start with, and he started to come out of there to swing, and he saw it was me. And he hung his head in shame. And I asked him why, and there was no answer. I wonder what our response is to God when we have been disobedient to him. And he asked us that eternal question, why? We can't answer. Because we are guilty, and there is no excuse for our failure to serve him. Look at the 14th verse, which is the prayer of the unsaved sailors on board this ship when they cried unto the Lord themselves and they said, let us not perish for this man's life. I want you to notice Their lives were in jeopardy because of the sin of a man of God. A person who is out of fellowship with God is a danger to himself, to his family, to his church, to his society. I did not say a lost person. I said a person out of fellowship. 
a Christian who has gone down from God, who has left his house, who has left his service and his worship, and has engaged in all the things that are difficult for a Christian to explain, he has gone down into the hold of the ship that Satan has prepared. And he's endangering his family. There will be many a full family in hell. Listen now. There will be many families as a unit in hell because they were led there by the man of the house. For the family will follow him even into hell. One of the things that shook me as a young father was to discover as I walked down a dirt road one day with my little girl, the one that some of you met, she was putting her feet right in mine. For she was following me, even if I would have led her to hell, she would have followed. For she looked up to me and loved me and put her full trust in me. And had I been called to hell, she would have gone along. I tell you, there is no person that I've ever met that has more faith in that girl. And her bout with cancer, I cannot say but that she has had more faith than I've had she's put you would never know there's a thing wrong with her to talk to her she has never shown anything but absolute faith if God willed it she would live if God desired it she was ready but it shook me as a young father to know that I had a responsibility for her life for she was putting her feet in my footprints one of the common things that a preacher seems to ask families young kids when he goes visiting and I've been guilty of it is say to the little boy or little girl what do you want to be when you grow up and many times I've had the answer given back to me. I want to be just like my dad. A man out of fellowship, a woman out of fellowship with God is a danger to his family. He's a danger to his church and to society. This man that we have come to know as Dives in one of the parables that Jesus gave went to hell and there in hell he looked over into paradise and he saw that old beggar Lazarus over there sitting on the lap of Abraham as it's called in Abraham's bosom enjoying all the comforts of, of paradise and, and he wanted Abraham to send Lazarus over just with a little bit of water and put it on his tongue that he might have some release from all this agony and Abraham said no and then the concern came to, to Dives, well, if you can't do that, how about sending back to earth to tell my brothers not to come here? Folks, it's too late then. 
we're a faithful servant of God, we're going to tell our brethren now. The influence that other people have over young lives particularly and even over each other's lives is great. Listen. None of us is an island. And there is a song that says no man is an island. I didn't used to understand what that meant but I've learned what it meant. My daughter sang that as a part of the commencement service in high school. First time I ever heard it. But I now know what it means. Nobody lives to himself. You are a part of me. I am a part of you. I have influenced you and you have influenced me. We're what we have made each other. Now look at verse 17. They said to Jonah, what shall we do about all this? And he said, the only thing you could do is throw me overboard because I'm, the resp I'm responsible for all of this tragedy. They tried to row the boat to shore and it, he, they couldn't make it. So they finally threw him overboard. And we might immediately say, my, what a tragedy. The Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. That's the end of Jonah. Sometimes what appears to be our punishment becomes our salvation. How many times have we said to our kids, I'm doing this for your own good? And they think, well, brother, you might believe it, but I don't. But I can remember back when my dad said that to me and that little old willow went around my bare legs and I screamed bloody murder. And he was saying, I'm doing this for your own good, and I couldn't believe it, but let me tell you today, I believe it. It was for my own good. My punishment probably was my salvation. Well, I think those willows around my legs probably had more to do with my being a preacher than, than most things I might name, because it straightened me out pretty good. Sometimes the Lord has to straighten us out by giving us punishment. And when we are wayward from Him, you can bet He's going to punish us. If we are God's child, we'll feel that willow on our back or around our legs as He straightens us out. And sometimes it takes a lot of punishment to do that. But that very punishment becomes our salvation. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Peter Marshall. Many of you had. There's a book about him called A Man Called Peter. He was the, I believe he was Presbyterian if I remember right. It's been a long time since I've read that book. But he was the chaplain of the Senate many years ago. In the United States Senate. He was a rather belligerent individual like Jonah who did not want to do what the Lord wanted him to do. And I can relate to some of that. Peter Marshall on one occasion, the way I recall the story, and didn't go back to reread it to be sure, for I've lost that book, was having a terrible argument with the Lord and he rushed out and he ran out at night through the woods, running helter-skelter, being angry with God, and he fell and tripped and landed on his face in the dark. 
And he was blaming God for tripping him until he suddenly looked in front of him and discovered a sheer cliff that he was about to go over. The punishment that God gave him in tripping him was his salvation. And sometimes he brings into your life and mine some punishment that is designed to straighten us out and put us on the right path. Something similar to that old farmer who was trying to sell a mule. And the guy who was going to buy it couldn't get the mule to go. And the fellow who owned the mule picked up a tube of thorn and went out in front and hit the mule in the forehead in the middle of the eyes. The mule went right down that path just as fine as you can be. And he said to the guy wanting to buy the mule, you've got to get his attention first. <laughs> God will sometimes get our attention. And it might be a two before. It might be a ship. It might be a loss, a tragedy. But our punishment may become our salvation. If you go ahead over... To verse 9 of the second chapter. Well, let's go to verse 1 of the second chapter first. Here Jonah has gone into the mouth of the fish and he's about ready to lose his life as suffocation begins to come over his mind and the oxygen is shut off. But he's got enough sense left, enough awareness left to do something. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord out of the fish's belly, and he cried by reason of the mighty affliction of the Lord that was upon him. And he heard me, he says, the Lord heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heard my voice. There is no place that we can sink so low but what God can hear us when we pray for repentance. In verse 9, he said, this is his prayer, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. There was the turning point. There's a phrase I want to give you. I hope you will never forget it. Because I believe it is scriptural from one end to the other. And it's this, we may break fellowship, but we cannot break relationship. Let me say it over. We may break fellowship, but we cannot break relationship. We belong to God. We may not live as God wants us to live, but in the depths of our lack of fellowship when we have gone away from him when we hit the depths of despair when there is no place else to go but up we can cry like Jonah even from the depths of hell itself in the belly of the fish and the Lord will hear but our prayer must be a prayer of repentance I believe earnestly that the church is not repenting, the church is trying to reform. And there is not a place for reformation in the church, there is only a place for transformation. 
We can't suddenly become good again when we have been bad without we come to the Lord and cry unto Him the cry of repentance. That will restore our fellowship with Him. I ask you this morning and I will ask you again this evening is your repentance up to date? Jonah said, I will. And in verse 10, the Lord acted. Of the second chapter. And the Lord spoke unto the fish, and he vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I've always figured that that fish didn't know what he was getting a hold of. And it made him sick. When he got hold of a Christian that was so out of fellowship that the stomach of the fish itself hurt as a result. I wonder how that fish might feel if he got a hold of me or of you. Would his stomach hurt so bad that he would be crying himself unto God, please make this man repent so I can vomit him up. The first verse of the third chapter indicates that the Lord gave Jonah a second chance. Now let's be sure we understand this second chance. This is not a second salvation. For the Lord died only one time for your sins and mine. We are saved or we're lost one time only. But our fellowship can have a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. The Lord will deal with us continually to bring us back to fellowship when we go away from him. Folks, we will have a revival when this church returns to fellowship. Are we ready for it? Are you out of fellowship with the Lord? I've spoken to the church tonight purposely. But that doesn't mean if you're not a Christian that these words have not had something to say to you. If you're not a Christian, when we sing our imitation hymn, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and you would like to have him save your soul and bring you into a good relationship with the Lord, we invite you to come forward and do so. If you are a Christian that has been out of fellowship with the Lord, like Jonah, if your repentance is not up to date, you ought to do it. You ought to bring your repentance into line. And there's no better time than right tonight to do it. And you ought to do it. You ought to make it known to this church. We don't want a laundry list of what's wrong. We just need to hear you say, and the Lord needs to hear you say, from the depths of the belly of the fish that you're in, Lord, I repent. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.